0: I get to fly a lot and uh, last week I was, the week before last I was flying and the week before that I was flying and uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that kind of thing today um, and talk about words, words and uh, what the Bible says about words, our words and how we use them. Um, it said that the average man uses 15,000 words a day, 15,000 words a day and the average woman uses 30,000 words a day. Now I'm, I'm doing research here. This is research. <laughs> Stay with me. I, I usually have used up my 15,000 words by, you know, the end of the day. I'm, I'm out of words. Uh, my wife manages to save about 15,000 of hers for when we get together in the evening. She shares with me what's going on uh, during the day. If I'm smart, I'll listen to those 15,000 words. And I try, and we've been working at it over 45 years, so thank goodness for words, but they can be uh, troublesome words. That's where I want to go today. At 842, United Airlines Flight 93 pushed back from gate A17 at Newark International Airport. This is a picture of that airplane. Um, There it is. That's the airplane. It was bound for San Francisco. There were 44 passengers on board. That's a very light load for that airplane. Not four minutes later, after it pushed back from the gate, American Airlines Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. This is a picture of what happened to Flight 93 as a farmer was approaching a field in Somerset, Pennsylvania. The plane was... um, hijacked by four Middle Eastern men at 9.03. The people on board had just 60 minutes to live from that moment. At least two hijackers entered the cockpit. <laughs> two probably stood outside the cockpit door guarding it. Hijacker Zaid Jara is heard to say on the PA system uh, recorded in the cockpit recorder. This is the captain alive, of course. Remain seated. There's a bomb on board. We're going back to the airport. Another lot. Passengers on board began to call their loved ones. I don't know whether you know that or not, but you can call from airplanes. That's why they don't want you to have your phones on. One of the reasons. Air traffic control noticed that the plane was turning around. It was diverting. It was not headed for San Francisco. And um, other planes in the area began to see Flight 93, because when you're in the air with a lot of airplanes, You're always watching the other airplanes, especially when one is on a level that it's not supposed to be going in a direction that it's not assigned. Following the crash of the two airliners into the World Trade Center, fighter jets were dispatched to intercept Flight 93 and another airplane headed for the Pentagon with the possibility of shooting down those planes. A passenger on board 93 is talking to a loved one on her cell phone, and she stops her conversation and says, I've got to go, they're breaking into the cockpit. A passenger on board named Todd Beamer had assembled some other passengers on board, and they are reciting, because you can hear it on their phone, the Lord's Prayer. Tomorrow night, I'm speaking at the Wednesday night service, and I'm going to talk about that. They're also reciting the 23rd Psalm. As soon as they finished reciting the 23rd Psalm, heading to the cockpit, you can hear on the phone these words. Are you ready? Okay, let's roll. It's 9.57 a.m. Following that, massive noise is heard in the voice recorder in the cockpit. Passengers are storming the cockpit The hijackers are screaming at each other, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. At 10.03 a.m. on September 11, 2001, United Airlines Flight 93 rolled over on its back and crashed into a field in Somerset County, Pennsylvania. Only 20 minutes flying time from Washington, D.C., which was the target for that plane, the White House. Vice President Dick Cheney is at the White House, and he's notified that the airliner has crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. And these were his words. I think an act of heroism just took place on that plane. Those are the facts of what happened on September the 11th, of 2001. Week before last, I was in that field. Um, One of the places I spoke, there's the the field where the plane crashed. That's actually the site from uh, above. And then this last picture is uh, what happened uh, afterwards. It's a plaque with the names of all the people, the innocent people who were killed uh, in the plane crash, including the four flight attendants and the pilot and the first officer. And this next picture is what happened afterwards. American flag was raised on the gate at A 17, and on the side of that gate is a plaque indicating that that's the departure point for United Airlines Flight 93. That airport was renamed, incidentally, after this. It's now New York, now it's Newark Liberty International Airport. And there's a great monument there in Somerset where those people died. I spoke six times in that county week before last, and every time I go there, and I've been there before, I usually go out to where that monument is. It's a very quiet field. Former mine, under it is a coal mine, and then they cleared the field, and now there's a big monument above that. I think about those words, let's roll, and the significance of them, what they could mean, what they do mean. You know, words matter, don't they? I mean, we're still quoting these words in a lot of context today, and and I think all words matter. I think the Bible thinks words matter. Todd Beamer said, let's roll. Words are important then and they're important today. So I want to talk about those words. And if you have your Bible on the table there, if you'll turn to page 1073, I want to read some verses to you that have to do with words and ask this question, whatever happened to civility? Whatever happened to courtesy? Whatever happened to thoughtfulness? Whatever happened to kindness in our words? James 3, 3. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and they, that they obey us, and we turn their whole body. Oh, I'm old enough that I have plowed, actually, with mules, and, and, and you, you, you turn those bits... If, If you want the animal to turn in a certain direction, you pull back on them if you want the animal to start. So the bits in the mouth actually control the animal. Verse 4, look at all the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Well, you've seen the massive sailing ships. Some of them are down at Galveston, enormous sails. But the truth is they do have a rudder on the back. All the ships have a rudder because it's steering The ship in the direction that you want it uh, to go. So that very small rudder controls a massive ship. Even so, in verse 5, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So, how great a forest a little fire kindles. We had this massive fire in California last year, uh, started by a spark, interestingly enough, by the electric company. They started the fire uh, that, that destroyed all those thousands of homes and in Northern California, and people's livelihoods, stores. So it started with a little spark. So all of this is to say uh, the tongue is a very powerful part of our anatomy. And it controls a lot of things that happen on this planet. What we say to each other, what we say about each other, and how we say it. Verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. So we've gone suddenly from a bit in the horse's mouth to hell. And that is caused by what we say. That can actually condemn us. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. I mean, one of Adam's first responsibilities was to name the animals and take care of them and train them, which, of course, we know. He said, well, you said there's animals that are not trained and can't be trained, but we have dominion over them. We can take them out if we want to. So in many ways, it's saying that we are able to tame everything except our own tongues. We haven't been able to harness that. Verse 9, with it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. So what does it say that we can praise God? And certainly we do that. Oh my goodness, how many times has God been praised in this very room here? It's had many uses since his life in 1999. So we have praised God in in the place with our tongues. But the reality of it is sometimes we're not very kind to people who are created in the image of God. That's certainly true. Complete this phrase, loose lips sink ships. Of course, in World War II, we were concerned that uh, the Axis, uh, the enemy, the Germans, the Japanese, whoever else was associated with them, were going to find out secrets that we didn't want them to know. My grandfather was a welder on destroyers in Orange, Texas during the war, and those signs were posted everywhere, loose lips sink ships, because I mean, there were U-boats off the coast of Galveston. Uh, It was reported that from the German records that they could see the lights of Galveston from their U-boats, their gun emplacements to this very day on Galveston Island. So, loose lips do sink ships. We have to be careful what we say. How about this one? The pen is mightier than… All right, well, that's written words, but… That's spoken words. I'm speaking them right now. So the pen is mightier than the circle. What does that mean? Well, sometimes the things we say are even more devastating than a a weapon because they could be used as a weapon. They certainly can. Words ruin friendships sometimes, they start wars, they destroy families, they end careers. There are painful words, careless words, cruel words. I've heard that it takes a A hundred compliments to balance one criticism. A hundred compliments. Because, you know, you may or may not remember the compliments, but we always remember the criticisms. Those things stick with us. Churchill said, by swallowing evil words unsaid, no one has ever harmed their stomach. Yeah, sometimes, I don't know about your grandmother, but mine said, bite your tongue. Well, I wasn't literal. I have bitten my tongue. You probably have too. But the reality of it is sometimes it's just better to not say it. Just keep it to yourself. I like what Mark Twain said. I can live two months on a good compliment. I like a good compliment, don't you? Sincere from the heart. I mean, I've certainly had criticism in my life. You can get online and find it. But I, I, I choose... To try to be positive I, I want to do the best i can with what i have and i i like a good compliment i kind of treat words like the olympics scoring i throw out the top score and the bottom score and average everything in between i think that's a pretty good policy i found it to be why can't we disagree without being disagreeable anymore sure doesn't seem like we can i'll tell you what to do It's over on the other page. If you'll turn back on page 1072 in James chapter 1, look at these two verses. So then, there's a good opening since we've set the table for words and how much they matter in terms of how we relate to each other. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's good suggestion, good counsel, good advice. But a lot of times we're not slow to wrath. We're not even slow to speak. But if we are slow to speak, swift to hear and listen what really somebody else is saying. I mean, I'm I'm just remembering in seminary. I, I remember hearing um, about a, a, somebody barging into the the. Uh, the seminary president's office, just screaming and yelling, and there's this, per, this story is told by the person who's visiting with the seminary, pre- president. The secretary, his secretary is saying, I'm sorry, I, I, I couldn't stop him. And he rants and raves, and the president of the seminary sits behind there and goes, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And the guy that's listening is the witness to this is saying, oh my goodness, uh, do I need to wrestle this guy to the ground or whatever? And finally the guy settles down, and the seminary president says, okay, all right, well, you make a good point. I, I'm going I'm to look into that, I promise you. The guy says, you are? Yep, I'm going to look into it. Thank you for sharing it with me. And the guy run, walks out the door. And the guy who's sitting there said, what was that? I don't, I don't want to pry or anything. Was that okay? I mean, are you all right? The seminary president says, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And what were we talking about? Like nothing happened. And, and, and the man who's the witness to this says, Um, do I need to do something? No, you don't need to do anything. Um, The way he acted was not what was on his heart. That was a symptom of what was on his heart. What he had to say, even though he said it very poorly and very loudly, was important. I'm going to look into that. And the man who's telling the story said, I learned a valuable lesson that day. Sometimes you just need to listen to what the other people are saying before you react to what the other people are saying. Listen to this. This is very sobering, and I want us to get this. If we don't get anything else, I want you to listen what's in Matthew 12, 35, and 36. Here are the consequences of our words. I tell you that men will have to give an account on the judgment day of every careless word they have spoken. I find that incredibly sobering. Every word, every careless word, every idle word, yes, everything that we've said will be gone back over. There's a record of it. It's like that cockpit recorder that records everything. God is recording everything. And then it says in verse uh, 36 of uh, chapter 12 of Matthew's gospel, for by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. I don't know how to make it any plainer than that. I just need to do a better job of editing myself. I need to do a better job of listening instead of speaking. I need to do a better job of attempting to be civil and courteous and thoughtful and kind when I express myself to other people. We are responsible for every word we say. Every word we say. So how do we choose the right words wisely? I have three suggestions. I think they're pretty good suggestions. You may not have anything to write with, but I think you could probably remember these. I don't have a good memory, but uh, hopefully we can. Number one, can't do it by yourself. Ask God to send the Holy Spirit on you and through you to guide you, and God will bring your speech under His control. Put our speech under the control of God. Number one. Number two, ask God to let you hear yourself. Think about that. Let, you, let Him hear yourself. Let you hear yourself. Often, we really don't know how careless our words can be. So, monitoring ourselves is a good process. That's the second step, I believe. And here's the third one. Practice putting away careless, worthless words. Just putting them away. Trying to eliminate them from Your vocabulary. I have done this. I've tried to think is that the right word to use in that circumstances? So, not only should we put away the careless, worthless words, but we should replace them with uplifting, positive words. Uplifting, positive words. It's a process, it takes time because we get in patterns. So, I want to say to everyone here, and I'm certainly saying it to myself as I was preparing this uh, let's roll. We, we, need, we need in this world and we're living, in this country in which we're living, to be more civil to each other. We need to choose our words wisely. We need to be careful what we say to each other and how we say it. How many people remember, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me? Sure. How many people believe that? No, it's just not true at all. In fact, I've been hit by sticks and stones, and I have a lot of broken bones. But you know what hurts the worst? Words, words, mean-spirited words. And I'm not just talking about directed at me, I'm just talking about standing in the line of H-E-B, trying to check out and hearing the things that are around you. I'm talking about sitting at a ball game and having people say things around you with your kids there that you would never have dreamed of hearing in polite society. But do we have a polite society anymore? No. Well, if anybody's going to do anything about it, it's got to be us. It's got to start somewhere. Let it begin with me. Here here are the most important words. I I, I can't finish without saying them because they're very important. Romans 10.10. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified but it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So that's the best thing we can do with our mouths, our tongues, is confess the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the best thing because it's not just in here. It's out here. In fact, that brings up an interesting subject. I find it interesting. I do way too much drive-through. I'm always in a hurry, and so I'm driving through somewhere. If, if, if I weren't eating here at lunch today, I'd be doing drive through somewhere. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I've convinced myself that I'm always in a hurry and I'm running behind. But I promise you there are times when I do a drive through and I pay at the first window and I get the receipt and I go to the second window and forget half the order that I'm supposed to have and drive away. You ever done this? Like, what, wait a minute, I was supposed to, it, you didn't even pick it up, you were in too much hurry to drive through. So that brings up an interesting question. I'm going to deal with this a little bit more tomorrow night. Uh, Is it it for here or to go? I mean, the words you hear at church, are they for here or are they to go? I mean, we, we come to church maybe today. We may come to church on Sunday. That leaves about 166 other hours in the week to talk to others, interact with others. So what we, what we learn at church, is that for here or is it to go? I think we know the answer to that. It's, it's to go. It, what, we, what we should hear in church, what we learn in church, is a to-go order. I mean, to kind of paraphrase that, that advertising campaign on television, does what happened in church stay in church or should it happen out there? Should we come in here for a refill? Should we come in here for a focus and then take it with us? Is it for here or is it to go? I think it's to go. I do. Do not merely listen to the word, the Bible says, so you deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Do what it says. (laughs) Words are so important. They make life worth living sometimes. I've got a new grandson and I was over there with him the other night and I'm talking to him, and he's just making all kinds of sounds that I'm sure he thinks make sense, but I don't care. I love listening to him. He hasn't got words yet, but you know, the Bible says God understands us when we don't even have any words. We just groan and moan, and I'm glad I have a God like that, but he also understands our words, and they're so important, our words. So, we can take it with us when we leave here today civility, kindness, thoughtfulness. We'll be judged in our words. We'll either be acquitted or condemned. I have two words for you. Let's roll. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. And we bless you for loving us. Sometimes it's just beyond the pale that you could do such a thing when we know ourselves. But you loved us from the beginning. You made us for fellowship with you. And you've continued to be patient with us all these years. Lord, help us to be kind. Help us to stop and think before we engage our mouths. Help us to think about how we can be kind and a kind word can turn away wrath. Help us to... Be nicer to each other and more thoughtful towards each other. I mean, there are times when anger is appropriate. You are angry sometimes. But there are many times when we are angry for no good reason. It's not the other person's fault. It's ours. We need to listen. So help us to be good listeners. And then help us to respond in a way that will bless you. Enter into our spirits And help us choose our words wisely. Thank you for loving us and bringing us together on a Tuesday like this. Until we meet again, God be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.